It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, Grappling fans? What's going on, Hey, what's going on, grappling fans? Hope you're having a good week so far. It's been a, a pretty pleasant ride for us here at Flow Grappling, entering week eight, I suppose, of the quarantine, but we're cruising right along, and we're bringing back another guest uh, that's been on the show before, one of our favorites here at Flow Grappling. I'm talking about ADCC, IBJJF, world champ, Braulio Stima, calling all the way in from the UK. Braulio, how you doing, my friend? How's life? That's good, Chase. Good, and uh, oh, it's good to be here. You know, it's always a pleasure. The show you guys are doing is amazing. You know, so many great interviews, uh, interesting people. It's always good to catch up with you guys. What time is it there right now? It's about um, 10.30 p.m. Okay. Well, join us for a little bit of uh, the late night call. We appreciate you staying up for us here, Brolio. Um, <laughs> last time was even later. Last time with him and, and Roger, we did it like at midnight. That's right. right. <laughs> yeah. Man, I think I changed. Yo, I'm not on the same uh, hour function anymore. You know, we always push it. Everyone's sleeping a little later, I guess. Speaking of which, what are you up to these days? Man, I'm being. Uh, we also uh, transfer all our, our platform of, of uh, teaching to the Zoom classes, and I've been doing a lot of uh, talks with uh, with the team, the the our our team from the the staff team. As well as supporting the whole team in UK and, and Europe, so we having meetings, over meetings, preparing, connecting, getting the team stronger, and then yeah, it's being busy, different kind of busy, but very productive. Brawl, you mentioned recently that, um, or just before we went live here, that Gracie Bajas uh, rolled out their plan, their initiative to start classes again, and what that might look like when the time is right. Uh, you don't have to detail the whole thing. I know there's a lot of details there, but maybe you could give some of the viewers a, a general idea of kind of some of the things you guys plan to do. Yes, I mean, we have a big team behind that always, like since the first time that the uh, the lockdown was uh, the option, uh, we have people, you know, 24-7, no sleep, going trying to figure out strategy on how to go through the lockdown and how to also to get out. And then as we spoke before, we, we from the jiu-jitsu team, uh, world, we are on the opposite of the spectrum. We, we should be this first community or first kind of uh, sector to, to stop uh, being active. And uh, we would be the last one to come back, you know. So 
because what we we do is a uh, first contact, general contact. So it would be very difficult for uh, what we've been through. So um, we spend a lot of time to figure out ways on how to come back to normal. And um, I guess with a lot of people would think, you know, like when you say, okay, guys, lockdown is over. Let's go back to normal activities. It's not going to be that. It's impossible because otherwise there would be no need of the lockdown. So um, we plan, well, there's a plan of action to come to cut down the amount of classes, uh, cut down the amount of hours of the class, limit the amount of students, probably the maximum 10 people per lesson with a space between um, uh, them within two meters. And um, that would be a no contact. That would be the second phase. Like lockdown is uh, we are on the uh, online classes, so no contact. Then we go back to the, to the academy, but it's still being uh, solo drills, uh, solo workouts, and no, no contact whatsoever with uh, you know, a lot of ex- extreme high, um, hygiene and uh, no contact, no use of uh, change rooms. You know, it's just like a very, very specific away like we go to the supermarkets now nowadays you have space you have to queue within two meters between each other so with that system then the third section would be back uh, to the normal class but would be the the, the transition would be to have classes with a limited amount of people with no contact at all but at least people to experience you know the the, the class live which is people with teaching to socialize, to meet people and learn something. Because those four platforms of the Grace Bar, we have like a, we, 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 people who go to train with us, they, they want to learn something, they want to exercise, they want to socialize, and they want to be inspired. And then those are the four pillars that we try to deliver on, on the Zoom classes and also on the non-contact as well. How many Zoom classes are you teaching? Man, I've been teaching about... Uh, like once minimum once a day, but in our in our classes in, in our, our team we have three classes per day. We have kids classes, we have other classes. Initial uh, uh, GB one, which is for the uh, beginners, and GB two for the advanced ones. And we have also the Baja Fit, which is um, a workout live sessions, which fits pretty much in what we need now because it's pretty much mainly solo drills. Have you uh, made any adjustments? I mean, I'm sure teaching remotely on video was kind of weird at first. Have you changed your program up a little bit or the way you present uh, your teachings? What's, what's different now than the beginning of this? Yes. Uh, first of all, it's when you teach in, um, uh, to the camera and when people are, whoever is learning from you, they are on their home and by themselves especially, you cannot just tell what you do or try to correct. You need to kind of demonstrate. So it's definitely a little bit more intense, you know, because you need to keep doing with them. Uh, and that was the difference, right? Because, uh, but w- one thing is, um, when you teach a class for two people and then you have a partner to teach, it's like a t- instructional. It's much easier because, you know, you, you can demonstrate and then afterwards you can go and check them out. But uh, when you do uh, by yourself, you know, and they don't know how to, the drill is all new. You need to be more intense. You need to demonstrate. So, I, man, I'm telling you, I'm got, I got fitter than when I was before the lockdown. Because the classes, you have to demonstrate, you know. But I, but also, I think, guys, that um, um, this show a lot. We, we have learned a lot with all this. We, we, we have this possible to train at home. 
and even by yourself, because that's what we've been doing. You know, like and um, that will be. I think there will be a a big. You just will be seen different uh, after all that. I wanted to to touch on this because um, we were talking about it briefly before we went live again. That uh, things look really bad right now, and a lot of schools are under pressure financially. But there could be some positive outcomes from this. One of them being uh, the knowledge that you can train at home. But does anything else come to mind for you about some good things that have come from this experience that people can learn from? Yeah, I think we have learned that um, we are part of a beautiful and special community. I think people will get uh, uh, will be drawn a lot to the attention of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu around the world, you know. And um, because Jiu-Jitsu, as we spoke before, Jiu-Jitsu is much more than just. Uh, choking each other out. It's, it's a lifestyle. We, we we have a strong community, and uh, we've seen left, right, and center people being so generous on, on on helping each other. You know, sharing experience to to kind of we we, we join forces. It, it, it was incredible, and this is a it's a good thing to see. You know, because we see that uh, if anybody who uh, join uh, as some community, they they look for this kind of thing. You know, like. How, uh, what, what do I want to be part for, of, you know? And then uh, jiu-jitsu has been shown so much positivity, so much, so much the brotherhood of jiu-jitsu is, is so strong and um, it's being seen everywhere. Everyone is learning as well, the, the, the marketing themselves, how to promote themselves. And then this part of knowledge will carry on through all that. And I believe that uh, people who are interested in doing any kind of martial arts or any exercise or be part of a, a strong community, then we will definitely be looking to jujitsu to completely different with the different eyes. So, Braulio, something I wanted to uh, touch on with you. Uh, I did these ADCC the champion rankings things. Did you did you read the eighty eight kilogram one? Did you see that? <laughs> Man, that was uh, very uh, interesting. I'm I'm got so chuffed. I was actually sleeping, and my girlfriend jumped on me. <laughs> did you see? Did you see? Look, look, look! I said, look at the floor grab. Look at the article. Right, sign this, and I said, what, what, what? And I saw the picture was me, Gordon Ryan, and and Andre Galvan. But I, that was no. I didn't see the whole. And I started reading. And I said, oh, <laughs> number one. I said, oh my god! <laughs> that, was like, that was pretty cool uh, moment for me because uh, you know. Sometimes when you, when you, I don't usually think of my past. Usually I just go along with what we're doing now and I always try to kind of prepare the field for, for improvements. I always try to better in anything and then I don't kind of be going on about what I've done. But when you, when you see other people uh, recognizing, you know, like, and then the article show that I was elected the, the number one, like the ADCC for me, man, like it was a dream to be part of. You know, just be ADCC was already a big achievement for me. And uh, but when you stop to look at it, the performance was unreal, really. Like when you know, like when you managed to bring a you know a complete new submission uh, in the final, like a, a inverted invert triangle under the wall, and, and um, you know with the similar lock, you know, big names, and it's it's, it's it was pretty 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 cool. I'm very, very glad and, and very honored and, and very proud to be remembered for that. Yeah, it was tough competition, too, because uh, number two and number three there had very good performances. Gordon and Jacare both had hell of a runs there. What, what did you think about the rankings overall? Did you agree with some of the other, other placements, or did you think I was wrong on some of them? 
you check it out? No, I, I think it's uh, it's pretty fair. I think um, Gordon Ryan did a good job. He he got uh, he he got second, didn't it? And um, even though he's now he's number ninety nine, he probably is number uh, like overall. I think he's gonna get number one some as some of the categories he did. But um, yeah, I think it was you know pretty fair. I think everyone is always gonna complain. Uh, the, 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 when you lose, people complain. When we celebrate, I want this time so I'm celebrate. So uh, getting away from eighty eight kilogram, uh, I was talking with you uh, a little bit leading up to the show and you said that there were some uh technical details with your your match with Zhangji then in 2009 that uh you want to talk what 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 happened with the the, the Zhangji match man look um, those two, uh, two matches that uh I mean I, I I spoke to you guys before when I was speaking to Roger you know like I think that that weekend everything went exactly how it, how it, it planned you know, I, I could. I would like to talk as well about uh, Marcelo Garcia's fight was a pretty good one as well. That I, on that one, you know. But um, uh, the Shandy one, it, it, everything went to plan because at uh, that attack, that division uh, from the Kimura to the inverted triangle was pretty pretty trained, and then I was something that I figured it out on the, on my the same same period of the same lock with my brother. I was trying to figure out my strategy and what I'm going to bring in new on this time. Because that was the very first time that I was going to fight ADCC already invited, not last minute thing, you know. Every other time that I, that I entered the ADCC, I was like, okay, less two weeks before the tournament. Bro, you're in overnight under 99. I said, oh, but I'm only 83. You know, so for this time, it was the first time that I actually was preparing, knowing that I was going to be. So I wanted to bring something on my sleeve. So um, I figured out that uh, on my mind works a lot in, in concepts, you know, in principles. So, see, every time that I, uh, I was I always did inverted triangle from many everywhere, and every time that I did inverted triangle, the Kimura was always an option from that. When the guy defended the Kimura, the different the inverted triangle, the Kimura is always there because I'm locking away that I can see the guy's arm. So, uh, on my mindset, I said, okay, so if I go to an inverted triangle, the Kimura is always there. What about if I go to Kimura? Can I make the inverted triangle repeat? So you know what I mean? Like if I go from A, if I have A, I can always seek to B. What if I go to B? Can I see A? That's kind of the conceptual way of thinking. And then yes, you know, it, it, it was possible. And um, uh, I start doing that actually from the side control first. I actually used to attack the Kimura. The guy defended Kimura hand to hand, and I shift my my legs and place it to the inverted triangle. I say, okay, so if I can do Kimura. On the side control, can I do a Kimura from where from? Oh, I can do from actually from the Z guard, from the from the guard. I can do a Kimura. So can I apply that? And, and that was what happened, you know. And, and um, um, the fight started. Uh, my my plan of action was most of the fights was I want to be on the bottom, and then on, after the time that becomes point, I will start fighting for real. But um, when I fought Shandy, was I changed a little bit of the tactic because. Uh, it was going to be 20 minutes, and I felt that you know what, let's go. It's the last minute. I trained so hard. At last uh, fight, I trained so hard. There's no other fight after that. Let's go for it. So, uh, but I wanted to end up on the bottom, and I, you cannot pull guard on the um, on the final. So, if you see when he went to the uh, as soon as the opportunity he went to, he did a little duck under. I, I just felt like he took me down. 
So, okay, so I'm on my best po uh, position and I didn't get minus. Let's go for it. So, so Janji created that. We, yeah, we, we thought yeah. Bragisa. We thought Bragisa. Bra Bra yeah, yeah. Bra oh, yeah, no, Braulio created it. We thought Bragisa created it. You, you, you came up with the fake guard pull in the ADCC final. All right. Because <laughs> uh, oh, we, we saw Felipe do that in yeah. 20, uh, was 17? Br brilliant tactic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kynan did it this year, too. Everybody's yeah. doing the fake guard pull. Give up a takedown. All right. Yeah, you need to play by the rules, right? Yeah. And then with with Macare as well, the same. I, I went to double to the single leg. He defends single, 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 and I end up on the bottom. You know, but really what I wanted is to be on the bottom the whole time. But um, yeah. So, and then I started chasing for the Kimura, you know. And I felt that Shandy was a little bit more relaxing. I think he expected the fight to go longer, you know, because most of the fights goes like the first ten minutes. People go warming up, and the real fight starts really after the ten minutes if you back in the day. So. But I said, no, I, I want to I go straight to business. So I started putting pressure, pressure. I went for the Kimura, and I shot the inverted triangle. Man, it was, man, he defended beautifully. It, I went on perfect, but then he put the hand underneath. But that that inverted triangle is a little bit different than the one that I did against under Galvão. Because that's why I called those reverse triangles, the one that I did on Shan. You know, so I can differ a little bit because it's slightly different. The concept always comes down to the same, but... The, the hold is different because I'm turning to the opposite, opposite side. But the amount, that, 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 that inverted triangle that I did on Shandy, the amount of pressure that you create on the pack is so painful. It's a lot of pressure because of the angle that I can pull the heel towards the shoulder to be able to put pressure on the neck. And uh, Shandy incredibly stood me up. I don't know how he, he man, nobody has ever done that to me. He just stood up. I said, holy moly, man. How come he do that? He's bringing me up with all my weight and then I'm, the, the lock on is almost trapped. But the pressure that will create that caused a lot of problems for him. But that was when I reshoot the, when we went to the ground, he escaped and then I went to the guard and then I wrapped his arm and I moved the hip to shoot to another triangle. It was already on again, but then when he defied and then it blew his shoulder out. But uh, it started from the from the pressure from the reverse triangle on the shoulder that it's where it hurts the most. But um, man, it was, it was a good competition. So did you, last time you were on here, you were telling us, I love the story. Did, were you really scared that your plane was going to crash <laughs> a, a, after it yeah. went in the absolute final? <laughs> in the next day, I told the stories, you know, because um, I, I've always, I, um, every competition that I, that I did, Happened there, up until then, you know, there's always something else that I could improve. That, uh, and then I'm very clinical, I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, critical on myself. And um, every time, every tournament, even when I won, I said, oh, but I could have done that, I could have done that. And uh, I've always have something in mind on Monday. You know? Of course, after the win, I was like in ecstasy as everyone. We celebrate, went party, you know, next day I woke up. Then that's when I kind of a little bit got a little... I felt a little empty, you know, because I didn't have much to improve because everything that I planned, I put in practice. And I was a little bit, man, what, I, I really thought, man, is that my purpose in life? Is that it? You know, <laughs> is my plane going to gonna, gonna uh, crash? Because I, I got like a little a little down in, in, in a way, but not depressed or anything. Like, oh, it's, not like, it's just like I, I felt a little empty to the mindset that I had previously because I put that part as my goal and then that was 
after that made me uh, change my mindset a little bit for tournament, even though I was still competing, but I didn't want to feel that again. I didn't want to feel that I went up on the highest mountain, then the next stage is to go down. I didn't want to feel that again, so I changed my, I start changing my concept to figure out a different kind of purpose, because my purpose up until then was to be the best in the world, and uh, I became then, and uh, I, I, I just felt I, I need to change my purpose, and then I figured it out that uh, by what I'm doing now, you know, using jujitsu as a tool to spread positivity to the world, it is a mountain that will never gonna end, and keeps me always positive. Did you um, have a similar feeling when you won Worlds and the Gi for the first time? Because you did that before ADCC. Was there that moment where you're like, oh, I've reached the pinnacle? Or was because ADCC yeah. came second that it felt different? No, it's um, um, the question was because when I beat, uh, when I won the, the, in, uh, in my weight division in the, in the Worlds, I won my weight division. You know, I did well pretty much, okay, cool. But there was people, there was legends that I didn't fight at the tournament. You know, there was, I didn't fight the, the, uh, the world champion, uh, the, the absolute, you know. And some, some of the, world, the, the absolute that I fought, I got third sometimes, but, you know, I didn't win, you know. And, and that, was a, that was the difference, you know. It, it, the difference, that was like, that was always some, I, I still chasing to become the best, you know. Like, when, when you fight, like, uh, Lovato, when you submit Lovato, submit Marcelo Garcia, submit Shadow Ribeiro, Andre Galvão. Man, it, it, you know what I mean? That that's that's the thing. But I'm I, I, I'm not th- I'm not saying that I'm I didn't want to. I, I wanted, it. and if I go, went back on time, I, I would like to feel the same. You know, it's not that. It's just the lesson that from it that is meant to me more. You know, that's okay. I achieved. I became the best grappler in the world 2009. And what you're gonna do with it? You know, and then, that's the that's the thing is more awakening. You know, things like we're doing, having we we going out. You know, like for example, we all in, in quarantine. We are going through a, a forced process of reflection and realizing what really matters in, in our lives. Right? We, we see what we've been doing. We see things that we used to do, but we, we don't need really to have. We didn't really have to do to be happy. And things that was uh, was making you happy. You start figuring out yourself with it, and as in everything, is is that's the lesson that I took. You know, if you go back in time, I would do all again. You know, but um, it's just that um, the moment that came to me, I said, "Oh, look, I think I was in a, in a finite mindset on an infinite road." So, let's talk now about the road to your uh, 2011 super fight because. Uh, it was against one of your one of your big time rivals. Uh, I mean, if, if BJJ Heroes is right, it says that Jacare beat you all the way back in your very first black belt tournament. It says, is that correct? Yeah, he. Uh, I fought him four times previously that yeah. fight, and I lost all. And then, uh, <laughs> and, and then uh, you had neck surgery during that that two years. So mm-hmm. let's talk. Let's talk about the the run up to to your super fight two years later. Yes, um, it's when you um, when I won the ADCC 2009, I automatically became the one person to be in the Super Fight in 2011. And that same competition, uh, uh, um, Jack Rabbit beat Drysdale. He became my opponent, right? So that match was 
set in 2009 for September 2011. So I was very proud, I was very happy and excited for that because that would be the time that I knew that I was going to fight Jacare. I didn't see the other opportunity to appear. And uh, I was really buzzed because I have been, I have fought, I fought him four times before that. And I lost all by by uh, two by submissions and two by points, and I never scored an even point against him. But I felt that I was getting better, and I felt that I was one thing that I uh, was missing out was a little bit of more the adult kind of uh, strength, because uh, you know Jack Harris has been very strong, and um, I, I I took long to kind of uh, have that main strength, and um, but I was getting better with time. Then he he stopped competing. Uh, uh, in, in jiu-jitsu then when this opportunity appeared I was like man that's it man. let's go now's my time it's my time I'm going to prove myself that I can do it you know uh, you know for me Jacare is one of the best ever that ever competed and uh, for me it was my biggest rival for sure and um, when I won the first time um, the, the the 2004 I didn't uh, we didn't fight you know, because he got injured. So I won the world championship, but the rock's still on my shoes, you know? And, and, and I feel like, man, come on. If I don't beat him, I, don't, I, will, I will feel that I, I don't, don't well-deserved of that. So that was kind of my thoughts. For people, then, who, for people who don't uh, know the, the history, the way he got injured at that world was Roger broke his arm in the absolute the final, final, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty much Roger won for me down. <laughs> so um and then uh when we have a, a this match on site, you know, I was very excited. But then came that moment, right? That I met, I went through two thousand nine, you know, got to the pinnacle, what's what's next. So I got a little bit of in a, a rocky road to try to figure out what is my next purpose. So that's I started going to the MMA. Right, it's the next challenge. I felt like you know what, I'm I'm the best representative of jiu-jitsu to be to go out there. That's at the moment didn't have many successful people in the MMA yet, and I felt like you know what, I want to go for it. Uh, and then I and I started, and then I and I decided not to do it anymore. But uh, I I hurt myself right in June 2010. Uh, 10. June 2010, I was going to visit my brother, and I decided to go and train MMA with. Uh, uh, Andrea Wiener, is a, he was a UFC fighter as well. And then I went to a double leg, single leg. He tried to throw me on, on my head, and I didn't want to turn, so I used my head to stop the takedown to end up on top. Bro, it's like the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. You know, like you don't feel pain. You don't feel nothing. You, you just feel that you're your body's dead because you can see everything, but it doesn't hurt, but your body feels like it's someone else's body. It's not like when people, before that sensation, before the sensation, you know, I thought like when you have like a, uh, we can feel your legs, it's like when you have like a dead arm when you're sleeping and stuff like that. But man, no, it, it, it feels exactly like, it, it looks like your body is someone else's and then you took your head out and you see your body from a different dimension. It's, it's crazy. And then the first thing that came to my mind was, oh my God, I'm paralyzed. I start crying. Oh my God, I won't be able to pick up my kids because my kid was just like uh, just born. I said, Oh my God, I won't be able to pick up my kid. The second thing came to my mind is oh, my fight against Jacare. Holy moly, I need to. <laughs> I seriously, this was exactly the, the, my 
thought process. Crazy enough. But then, you know, I got to like for 24 hours, no moving at all, straight away to the emergency, you know, being told that I was lucky to be, uh, because I was two discs, right? Uh, it's not just one disc. The problem for, for me, that was two discs that was hit the spine. And uh, it's surgery. And then if, when you do a two-disc fusion, you most likely shouldn't do any, any more contact sport. But that was uh, my the fourth doctor, you know, I, I found in London, uh, Peter Hamley, amazing doctor, the best one in Europe. And uh, he had this new device that allows a little bit of a movement between the vertebrates. And he already put someone in, back into rugby uh, pro level. I said, bro, you are the guy. Let's do this. And then we start talking about what would be the plan. He said, I need to have four months without touching or doing no exercise. And then uh, I could train after four months. So I start calculating. And then uh, when I met him, I met him in December. So the next availability for the surgery was February 3rd. So I did the February 3rd or 4th, 2011. And then I had then four months without training. And then I would have another four months to train and get back in could ever be to be able to fight Jacare. You know, so that was the calculation. I, I just I put months into that will be my sprint to the tournament. And uh, every single day that I went through, since before the surgery, I was even filming myself to, to document because I was still thinking everything that I thought was, oh, I, I was going to sleep and waking up thinking about the fight. And then, you know, in the end, you know, as you guys know, uh, it was like a 30 minutes battle of uh, Jacare, and uh, it's, man, I didn't stop for a second. I even took him down and um, used my neck and all that. And I was able to, to, be, to win the fight. But that, that, that win was much more than just winning a fight. There was a, um, a winning mental fight about to prove myself that this, if you really believe, you know, if you really tell to yourself that it's possible, if you do what it takes to to, to achieve, you can, you know, because uh, a lot of people said, brother, why are you doing this? Don't do it. Why are you doing it? And, um, you know, like, it, you know, a lot of people said, oh, go for it. I think you can do it. You can do it. But really what matters is what you touch yourself. That was the main thing. If you really want something and do what it takes and you focus, you can, because that was the proof. Because if you, out of the odds, I would never be able to beat him or not. Bralia, what was that period like when you had to stay away from any exercise at all for four months? Um, did you have any doubts? I mean, I'm sure it wasn't a straight line to feeling good. I'm sure there were uh, tough days and some better ones. But what was that process like getting back into into movement? Yeah, um, I studied a lot and I, I, do, I did a lot of research, you know. And uh, when we did, I, I've always been very careful on choosing who uh, – what doctors to, to look at. I always try to get the best doctors uh, in, in the business. You know? And uh, we talk a lot. And then I knew that um, once those discs, discs are out, and basically there's lots, like new discs in, right? They not fuse the whole vertebrae. So it's like a Nike shocks kind of thing. You put so I had the, the trust on the equipment uh, that being put on, on me, the, the device, and then I've been trusting on my doctor, you know, and um, I knew it that there would be no disc to be squashed that would hit the spinal anymore because the whole disc taken out. 
what caused my injury was the disc was like you know like a donut like and then the disc goes straight away to the spinal cord and that was the disc there anymore and whatever it is inside is completely solid and there's no flexibility that's to hit the spinal cord i got the trust and i try to always understand my body very well so i was kind of a really um the first four months i was really itching that i can get in to train because i knew it when i could get trained i would be back i was told that i would be back indeed you know so i had that belief and i i I had the the worries of my my uh the flexibility on the arms to look to one side to the other which i lost a lot and then that was what I've been using that force for first four months to kind of crank. I should always keep twisting, adjusting to, to keep the flexibility. That was my my main goal of the four months. Because if I didn't do that, push the action with a little pain, I would to be completely limited, you know, because you would cease. So uh, I think I trust so much that I, I I could only think about the positive. I was really believing it, and then it worked. Did you think, like, during that process, like, hey, maybe I'm not going to be able to do that super fight, maybe I should pull out, or were you always focused on you were going to be able to do it? Yeah, I was going to fight even if I had a uh, – if, even if I was in pain, I, I, I would give it a go. I would make a strategy to fight around it, you know. I, I was very determined to, to fight. Because that's a that's – a, uh... Jacare is a monster too. That's that's not the type of guy that a doctor would want you fighting with a bad neck, right? <laughs> true, true. But um, by the time, you know, by 2011, I I I had built my game so well to the point that I could strategy point according to part of my body being injured uh that was part of my game and like for example that's that's why uh the Inverted triangle came about that's why the steamer lock came about uh, the way that i've always trained on my career since back in 2000 you know i've always tracked with something new uh, on my off seasons and, and i've always listened to my body when i'm training and i developed a, a unique way way of training uh, according to how my body feels and, and like for example sometimes I had a very I, I, I've always had like a lower back problems you know since like it's genetics you know and my, my, my lower back sometimes sees and um, what I do is when my, my lower back sees I cannot do involved and I cannot do use my, my back flexibility to use my technique so if I had a spasm two months before the world championships. I couldn't train flexibility techniques, flexible techniques. So I have to kind of uh, develop different ways of fighting that protect my injuries. And then I was very fortunate to develop many different options that I could pick whatever I can use. And my game has been changing, being very dynamic. And that uh, was I would have to figure out different ways of fighting. And I'll, I'll, I'll still fight. I don't know if I would win. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't not not fight. That was I was too predetermined to fight, hundred percent. And then when you get to a certain level, you know, uh, Michael, when you have a certain level of jujitsu, you can kind of uh, avoid areas that you don't want it to go. 
you know like it's not like for example a lot of one thing that I, I could prove out of that is um i've always been um scared not scared but i was afraid of fighting mma when i was a blue belt i didn't want to when i was a purple belt i didn't want to a brown belt but i still feel like to, to be locked in the cage with one-on-one and let's go all in all, all, all in but then when i was start training I start understanding reading. Hold on a second. It's not like a. It's not going to be a, a street fight that anything can happen. You can position yourself to the situation that you know what to expect, and I know the risks. And then when you realize the risk, the fear disappears because you just fear the unknown, right? When you know what to expect, you you, you kind of you know the risk that you can put into it. It's not that you're just going to go there and be smashed. You can protect yourself. So you start understanding the angles, right? So it it, it, it it's the same thing in jujitsu. In jiu-jitsu, you, you understand your, your game. You understand it in jiu-jitsu. You can bring the fights away from what you don't want it to be, you know? What what uh, percent, like, would you say your neck was at when you showed up at ADCC 2011 to compete? Was it, like, 50%, 75 Like, how were, how were you feeling when you got there in that aspect? I would say, I would say like, 65 to 70%. All right. How'd the camp go? Uh, how'd the the camp for directly before the tournament go? How how'd your training go? Man, I was doing uh, it, it. It was doing well. I, I was I was training really well, with Roger. You know, Roger always being very my best training partner. You know, I was doing great. And um, Victor, I was stronger. I was uh, you know because I took that that uh, mission as in like is all or nothing. Is 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 now or never. You know, I don't think I'm going to have another opportunity to, to fight Jacare. So, you know, I'm a very, um, I don't, I'm not a morning person. I hate to, 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 to train early morning. But um, to show my commitment, my personal trainer only, only had that space for me on the morning. You know, he wants to carry on because he was the same personal trainer that helped me to the ACC 2009. And I wanted to train with him again. And he said, brother, I only have space now for 6.30 in the morning. I said, thanks for me. How many times a week? Okay, let's go three times a week, 6.30 in the morning. I'll be there. And I was there in every single day. That was, that was times that I was, in, I was hurt. I was pain, painful. And I didn't want to go. But uh, I, I, I did every single class because I didn't want to have an ex, uh, excuse for my loss. You know? And I said, you know what? I will make it up on that. It was really strong. You know, it was like 92 kilograms. You know, and then I, I was the, the strongest that I ever fought in, in professional. So this this ADCC super fight, uh, this was in Nottingham. This was in uh, basically your, your your backyard, your new adopted home of, of England. Uh, what was it yeah. like at the actual tournament? How 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 were things going at the tournament? How'd you feel? Man, it was it was something different, you know, because it was like fighting at home. You know, that was like the biggest ADCC up until the time. You know, I, I was, uh, you know, part of uh, the organizers as well. And there was over 2,000 people, I think, or 1,900 people on the, on the, in comparison to that one to the ADCC in 2009 in, in, uh, in Spain, you know, that was a huge difference, you know. And uh, because I was, um, I, me, uh, I was teaching in the uh, UK since 2002. So it like when there was no jujitsu pretty much, you know, kind of we, we, me, Roger, you know, and then Victor came, and then my daughter came, and then started. We, we were 
the parameters new. So uh, when I thought that, that was kind of a little bit of uh, excitement. At the same time, I mean, like, oh man, you know, not many people are talking about my injury. All they think about Jacare versus Roger, or versus Jacare, you know, versus Crowley. And uh, I was like, okay, man, you know, but then I already so well for that. And then it was amazing when people were calling my name. It was really good. So you won the super fight, and then uh, you did end up doing one MMA match. You know what? What made you go that route? And uh, I believe it's only one. You know, did you not like the experience? Did you feel that one one time was enough? Uh, let's talk about the Jacare for a little bit. I want to talk more about that that match uh, before we leave this thing. Let's talk about the match. Talk talk about the technique and the and the match. How things went in the in the Jacare match. Man, I you know the fights. It was. Tough. I expected it was going to be tough, and um, you know, but um, I was uh, having this, and uh, I've always I, I I train every possibility of the of the spectrum that could happen. You know, I knew it was going to be a very hard match to submit. You know, and um, I was expecting going to the extra time, and but I was hoping not to. You know, and. Um, my wrestling was on point. I was strong on wrestling. You know, on the first ten minutes, I managed to take him down, which um, you know did a score point. Because of all, like it's like he had a springs, man. Like boom, very hard to keep him down. But I, I took him down, and I think when back in his career in jiu-jitsu, I don't think nobody ever had took him down ever. And uh, man, it showed that my wrestling was on point. Um, I felt that uh, you know when the same situation happened. Uh, the, if you see the first ten minutes, I tried to get down. Doesn't happen. I could pull guard, so I pull guard. Uh, sorry, uh, it is defined. I couldn't pull guard. I did the same thing. I, I chased for the single, 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 bring the fight to the ground. And um, you know, and I was more very afraid on, on the on the on the extra time because I knew there was be a twenty minutes of. Uh, Chase, you know, and then I would be, I, I was imposing the rhythm. I was just that he was skating the, the, the heel hooks and, and he was very hard to, man, I, I don't know how many times I saw, maybe between five or, or eight times I managed to swap him and he bounced back up. Yeah. It was very, it was incredible, but um, it showed as well that he imposed the rhythm. You know, I made a very unique guard that he wasn't expecting. Uh, it was a new brawler for him. You know, I was really doing the vertical guards. I was going to the 50-50 and attacks. And then the second time, you know, the, when when went down to the, the extra time, that was my worry because I knew it. I was, we all going to be tired and, and it's not my favorite place to be standing, right? And there's no break. So he went to the takedown on me and I turtled. From the very last minute, and then I bring the fight to the to the ground after being on the turtle position because you had to hold for three seconds. So that was my part of the tactic, you know, because he was effectively real the single. So when we went in back to the middle, the last engage. So when he engaged, I said, "Thank God!" So I just pulled guard and it really gone. And then I managed. I think two three minutes before the end of the extra time, uh, I went to the piece uh, of the dragon. Being underneath, and then he defended and grabbed the, the waist, jumped to his back, and I just had enough energy just to squeeze through the points. Got the three points when I see the score, because in the ADCC, that, uh, it's not the middle referee who scores, so you don't yeah. see whoever 
We need to look into the table. And I hold, hold, I look to the table. As soon as I look to the table, three points. Oh, thank God. He's not going to pass my God. No for a second and one minute. God's going to pay. So, and, and then I was like, Luckily, you didn't have to worry about flying home from this one. You, did, you didn't have to worry about the plane crashing. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was a different that was my kind of a real purpose uh, here, so I didn't worry about that. And that was a lot to improve as well, the fight, you know, that I didn't submit him, you know, I could have. If I, when I look back now, when I look at it, I still, man, if I knew what I know today, I got to some situation I could have finished the fight. But, uh, you know, but it's all part of the process of evolution. So, uh, you beat, you know, a guy, like you said, you had, he had submitted you a couple of times. You had never even scored a point on him. Not only did you beat him, but you beat him after returning from a serious neck surgery. How did that feel? What kind of emotions did you experience? It was really uh, uh, my personal uh, challenge is kind of unlocked, you know. And then my biggest uh, mindset on that one when I finished wasn't the title, wasn't beating Jacare. That was the big lesson that I think the feeling that I had is like, man, I want to use as a motivation for people to achieve the, the goals that is possible. Because uh, if I manage to come out of a back injury, uh, of a neck injury, be able to my biggest, you know, on a 30 minutes match, full on, going at it, you know, and uh, it, it proves that. It's, it's, it, it proved that it's possible if you really believe in yourself and if you really want something and you do what it takes. It's not just once, right? It's not just once. Because, you know, once I was watching a speaker and then he asked in the room how many people uh, wanted to be successful. You know, everyone put their hands up. Everyone in the room put their hands up. And then he, he asked again, how many of you will be successful? And you can see a lot of a lot of people hesitated, you know. And that shows the will, the willpower, right? The willpower that I had was beyond. I really wanted, and that's in me since when I went to do the surgery before the surgery, you know. And then that was uh, the real, the the the, the that I uh, more chuffed than what I felt the best about it is that it proved. That if you have that willpower, if you do what it takes, you know, with belief in self-belief and, and then do the, put the hard work in, you can achieve really anything. Because that was a hard thing to achieve when you go through that. Especially the mind, you know, because you have a neck injury. It's not just an arm broken arm. Or it's the neck, it's like it, it's your life in risk. But when you when, when you have that belief on what you have, of course, I, I knew that my injury was safe because of the device that I have, right? It's not that I put my life, my neck in the, on, 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 the, on, the, on the plate, but uh, it's the willpower that was shown. That That's the biggest thing for me. So your MMA question? Let's bring it back then, man. That, that is an amazing story. I didn't realize it was so close together. I knew you had the neck injury, but I didn't ever put together that it was, you know, six months away or less almost to that, that fight. Pretty incredible story. Yes. Um, but then you've conquered, you know... You never my invisibility, right? You're talking about. <laughs> about the MMA. Like, I never lost in MMA, you know? I'm, I'm like 100% I won all my fights by submission. <laughs> and I retire on the field. 
I mean, that's the way to do it. Go out in style, 100% success. But I just want to hear about it. You know, um, a lot of a lot of grapplers find that they don't love it. It's not quite the same. Uh, what was it like for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I went to try, I've always became when I achieved um, a certain level in jujitsu. You know, you you kind of start, you know, to try to check the boundaries, right? What's next? Like the limits. What what what's next? What I want to, you know, maybe. I want to try the MMA. I want to see. I, want, I wanted to give it a go, you know. And the main attraction for me, you know, was the experience. I wanted to experience. I wanted. I wanted to be to feel how it is to go out there. And I had potential. I've been training with like likes of GSP, you know, Roger, you know, like Rashad Evans, you know, Durinho. So so many guys I was training, like Michael Johnson, was, you know, like man, you you put like the, all the black Zinni team, and um. I've always been uh, high regard as like people say like man you you've got potential you know you can do it you can do it and then you know I start, I said no let's do it let's train let's train let's train uh, when my first fight you know uh, I, I I went there and I won by submission the first round and you know a lot of people got to me man you can do it you can do it that's gonna be amazing then I start reevaluating a lot my life because I. The neck injury, you know, was one of the biggest uh, uh, way on that because, you know, when you start the jiu-jitsu, uh, uh, when you have a lot of impacts in the neck, you know, it, it, the wear and tear, it can affect my personal life. And, um, you know, in, in all the respect of Muhammad Ali, the greatest boxer, you know, with all the respect to him, you know, I didn't want to be the best in the world and end and, and up in a situation that I couldn't have a normal life, you know, I'd rather be the, the the like not at all and be able to have a normal life. Because life go beyond just fighting, you know. Uh, we we like I, I was thirty three years old, you know, like getting to you know to the stage that you need to. I enjoy. So. We might have lost you, Braulio, but right, here he is. Oh, he's back. Hello. Yeah. Hello, sorry. Hey, no problem. Uh, you said you uh, I, you said I, you were I, 33, I, and that's where we lost you. Yeah. Okay. So I was 33. You know, jiu-jitsu goes uh, the fighting. You know, it's not that I was going to be the champion within two years. It, it was going to be a new journey for me. I had the potential. Yes, I did. You know, but I would have to build that with the potential and the the lifestyle as an MMA fighter is wasn't my it wasn't so amazing for me you know I didn't like the you know like it's good for the experience but not as a lifestyle I didn't, for myself I didn't like the idea of going to the training and go like okay now I'm gonna bloody I need to hurt the guy because if I don't hurt him he's gonna hurt me I, I didn't like to have this lifestyle for me if, if, if for my option, I didn't want to have this as a. If I if I could choose, I wouldn't. I didn't want to. And then I, I, I the only reason that I was going to carry on was just for the money, really. My mind for me, you know. Uh, if I carried on, I already experienced. Right? I already feels like I already know how to beat someone that can strike. And uh, now it's about what I want best for me. I already achieved the 
to the top in jiu-jitsu. Now, let's transfer to MMA and then let's stay away from my family again. My kids needs me, my neck. And I start kind of put the way, okay? What, what's best for Brawl Steamer off the mat? You know, and then I, I waited to the point that, you know what? Jiu-Jitsu might not give me as much money as if I was uh, successful in MMA. But hey, it would give me enough to have a nice life and I still do what I love and I would be craving to come next day to train because Jiu-Jitsu is, is my lifestyle. I, I train on my holidays. I, I, I train because I love to do it. You know, the MMA would be more for the money. And then when you have something uh, that you do it only for the money, it brings me back to when I used to do university before I joined Jiu-Jitsu and it kind of making a lot of sense my mindset because my first conversation with my dad before I come to UK, my dad always been worried about me as a growing up as a, any father would. How can you build a family? How can you support a family? I was doing production engineering for three and a half years, you know, and I was decided to, do, to drop that to start doing jujitsu. And he asked me why, and then how you do that. I said that like I go to him, but I I want to be the best in jujitsu, and if you get the best gardener in the world he's fine he can handle to support a family if you get the best wall painter out outdoor wall painter if you get the best one in the world he'll be fine i want to be the best so i'll be fine and that's what took away from the university because the engine production engineer was something that i did so it can support me financially more not because i love to, to do it and then that's what brought me to jiu-jitsu you know, because I knew jiu-jitsu, on the good, on the bad, I'll still do it anyway because it's my passion. And then in, in everything in life has the ups and downs. When you're up, everything is good. But when you're down, only things that you really love doing that you carry on. And then if, uh, you know, in the universe, uh, with the production engineering, if it was on the down, I would enjoy it. I would, I would feel like, man, I hate my job. I want to do something else. That's why I brought me to my mindset to jiu-jitsu. And then I had the same conversation with myself about the MMA. What is it? Is that what you want? Is for the money, but on the good, it's good, but on the down, how are you gonna feel about it, man? How about you? And use that to make a good point in life, doing things that you love. So that's that's why I carry on doing jujitsu. So, speaking of uh, MMA, around that time, 2012, what happened with this uh, grappling match you were gonna have with uh, Nick Diaz? What, what what ended up happening with this thing? I've always wondered that. I was excited when it was going to happen, and then it didn't happen, and I always wondered, what the hell? Yes. Funny, it was very uh, a frustrating situation for me because, um, well, I, got, I was approached to, to fight the a World uh, Expo, you know, yeah. to fight the Nick Diaz. And uh, it was a good thing for me because I was on that transition to MMA mindset, right? And then fighting Nick Diaz would put my pro very high. Uh, up there on the MMA world, and then it was a match for me because we see my build. You know, I've been on my best shape in the jiu-jitsu, in, in, uh, in jiu-jitsu, especially in Ogi, Come up with a, big, a victory against a, a Jacara, and um, I accepted. And then what I I accepted. And I, the first ever family holiday that I ever had was booked before the fight. You know, so basically, I had my very first holiday ever after all my all my life. My first time holiday it was first first 2012. 
I, that's the first time I could afford a holiday. I went to Thailand with my family. And, and then I agreed on that match the day before I flew. So that means there's no chilling. I had to train and I couldn't drink. <laughs> so Horrible holiday. I said, you know, Horrible holiday, bro. What do you think? In Thailand. <laughs> in Thailand. So basically, all I did in the whole Thailand was training. I, I did. I went to the the, the the clubs that to train grappling. Did Thai box for the cardio, working out, doing yoga in the morning. I, I so basically, I I, I wasn't at my re- regime for fighting because I put that on the line. Okay, it's gonna be a good match for me. But then when I got there, the, he didn't show up. You know. Oh, you didn't know uh, until think, you arrived. You didn't know. You didn't know it was gonna be. Oh wow. I didn't know until the the time of the match. I was there in the match waiting. Oh, man. And, uh, wow. I was a little bit frustrated. I got a little bit, uh, you know, disappointed. I was kind of uh, angry with this scenario because of all what I put off. I mean, I, I, I quit my holiday uh, for that. And, uh, you know, to, to be treated this way in the last second was pretty uh, annoying. But... And my and after get to know the issues that Nick uh, uh, Diaz had as well, like he had like a, some like a public issues and and uh, also probably he wasn't very well accessorized and he probably he didn't know who I was, you know. And when I think when he figured out what he was going to fight, I don't think it was going to be a good match for him, and uh, I don't think it would add much value for him uh, for his MMA uh, for this time that he was at the moment. I think it would be a great opportunity for, for him to come down and show his jiu-jitsu, you know. But yeah, man, it was very frustrating. It was very um, uh, controversial. And um, yeah. Did you uh, still get paid? That's did one you... of the reasons why I also put it up. Did you, did you at least get a paycheck? Sorry? No, I didn't get paid, no. Oh, jeez. No, no, no paid. If only you could go back to yeah. that Thailand vacation and party <laughs> it up. Get... Oh, man, that's, that's, that's uh, rough, especially with the... I think I would be furious, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Especially with the vacation yeah, situation. But, uh, okay. but it was a risk. Did, did I read this correctly on your Wikipedia that uh, in 2003, I don't know what belt you were, that you submitted seven people in five minutes at Pans? Yeah, it was correct. <laughs> it was but, a good time. <laughs> sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to show up to a tournament and do that. That'd so, be a great time for what, me. <laughs> what... Yeah, what uh, what that's less than a uh, normal match length. What uh, what belt were you at the time? I was the brown belt. Um, that was a very um, a mark on my career. I think it was that the confirmation then what I chose to do was right, and that was very very good. I'm gonna tell the story uh, very quickly. When I was in Brazil, okay, this this competition was in February. 2003. I arrived in the UK in uh, 27th of November 2002, right? So pretty much that way. I, and before that in Brazil, my look how was my day. Uh, I had a half a scholarship from the university for being jiu-jitsu fighter. And the other half, I had to work part-time at the university Okay, and they, uh, and as an IT assistant. So my daily, my normal day used to be I wake up at 7 o'clock to be to work at 8 a.m. 
and work until 12.30 p.m. Come back home, have lunch, okay? Do my university work, homework, you know? And train from 4.30 until 6.30. That's my two hours training in Jiu-Jitsu. Then I used to go straight from training to my university to study from 7 to 10.30. So three and a half hours every night. And I used to teach at 45 p.m. until midnight. So it's the only money that you should make purple belt at the time. And then that was my daily base routine. So I used to train only two hours a day. And with this intensive daily without proper rest, if you see like work eight until 12 and then train at 4.30 to 6.30 and then university and then teach, man, it was a tough rhythm. And when I came to UK, I had all my time only to do jiu-jitsu. You know, so for the first time in my life, I worked out. In the, in the in the gym, I never I never had the time to work out before, right? So all I did when I came here was training with my uh, white belt students. I had maybe a one blue belt at the time, and I used to train with Roger once a week. At the time, so we trained once a week, and I was I just got my brown belt. I uh, I either, I fought in August, I think August or September. I had fought in the in the Brazilian championships, and I got third. You know, so I'm I'm still really green. On the blue, on the purple, because I, I on the brown belt. I just got my brown belt in in, a, in after the worlds in July 2000, right? So I got my brown belt, and then I lost. I got third in the absolute. Uh, sorry, I third in my weight division at Brazilian Championships in November. Came to UK, so basically I was just brand new brown belt. But the first time, I was only doing jiu-jitsu. and then I figured out a way of training that I put. <laughs> of my students. I, that's how I started learning how to train with lower belts. And then I used to put conditions. Okay, I'm not going to tap the guy, but I will tap only tap the person. I will tap, but I will tap telling them where I wanted to to submit. So I'm going to tap him on the left arm, arm or left arm, and overall. So it so becomes hard. It becomes harder, right, the training. So then, man, my timing was so on point. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to fight the, 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 the Panams. And I went to the Panams. And, uh, man, I was like, my timing never been so good. I was like, bam, 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 bam. I had like a, I had a, uh, I had, I was taking antibiotics. I had a, a tonsillitis. I got there one day before the tournament. So my jet lag was completely horrible, you know. And I flew, like I was an average of 46 minutes per, per, per fight, like, Seven fights all together, five minutes and 24 seconds, all by submission. Man, that's what I got to be doing now. If in two months training jiu jitsu and working out for jiu jitsu for the first time, I I think I'm all right. It was reassurance to keep pushing me to, to the top. What were you, uh, what were you guys catching guys with? Did you hit them with a bunch of subs? Was it one thing that you were doing a lot? Was all mixed. Oh, so man, I took like in the final of the absolute chase. I'll fight this guy called Solusi, a good friend. Not good, I've been a long, long time to speak, but he's tough. I took his enemy, like standing. I went to a takedown, he defended the takedown, and I jumped to the choke. It was fire. <laughs> Jesus, it was dude, fire. you're just stunting on the whole tournament. Yeah. <laughs> Bradley was yeah, just making was. stuff up out there. <laughs> 
Collar chokes, uh, umbers, kimuras, triangles, chokes from stand. Well, it, it, I, I was on fire. It's it, you know when things just you you I've, I've been doing training so much all the time. My timing, I was like happening. I was seeing everything in slow motion. It was incredible. That had to have just been a, a fun experience, though. To I mean, every match go out there for less than a minute, basically. <laughs> that had yeah. to have been a fun time, right? Yeah, it was was like man, I, I couldn't believe my eyes. Next time I came to Brazil, there was a I was I was a brown belt. There was a a lot of black belts lined up to check shit out. Oh, I need to check this guy out. But you know, everyone, <laughs> you see all the crowd who did because you know all the black brown belt is it, it, whoever wins the pronounced weight and absolute is the new highlight of what what's the new generation is coming in the black belt. So the that's I think when uh, I was on the spotlight for the first time on the black belt. Uh, something that we talked about. Very briefly, last time you were on here, we didn't get to have uh, much time to talk about it. I'd like to talk about the Estima Lock, about how you and your brother uh, developed that that move, and how you guys started using it. And uh, yeah, just when did when did you guys first start uh, trying the Estima Lock out? Like talking to Victor, you know, like we because everyone asks us, right? We Estimas, right? We look at people's foot, and they already know what's going. <laughs> so even keep asking us, and then we kind of uh, went back in time, and then I think the the most accurate story is that Victor, for the first, uh, he he got once uh, tapped by on a competition. He was a a, a a purple belt, a brown belt, and a brown belt, yeah, in a in a in a, in a footlock that he, he almost broke his foot. But up until then, the 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 footlocks that we knew was very gradual, like uh, tap tap tap, never like a snap tap. And then he felt something different in his foot when he got so he started chasing to, on how to get different ways of footing, right? On, on submission, on this with that snap. And then training with him, uh, you know, for the ADCC 2009, you know. And then I remember he he tried to get my my foot, and then put my foot in a different look, uh, put my foot on his bed and pull with one arm, you know, it, 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 but the thing is that he didn't put fully on, he just put it to try to check it. I said, Oh, hold on a second. This is, this is something out there with one hand only, but the pressure was very good. You know, and I said, hold on a second. Victor. And then we, we came, I, and I came with the idea of putting the real naked pressure to keep the tightness. So there's less chances to, 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 to the twist. And uh, that's when, and then the more, and then we, we figured out that, man, that's actually a submission that you can do it, you know, that's kind of, you know, very good. And uh, I put on my mind for, for the ADCC, I said, oh, there's another one on the sleeve of that, that's going to surprise people. And uh, at the time, I was very raw. Everything was really raw. Even the way that I set up was very raw, but nobody felt the danger. When I fought Lovato, he didn't feel the danger at all by putting the foot on that, because every guard player, Usually put the foot relaxing there, just using the, the knee shield as a frame. And then, man, I literally just placed the foot. If you go back on the on the, on the video, you see me place the foot, get in one, and go pop. And it's nasty because there's no time to tap. Yeah. And uh, since then, uh, by understanding the the anatomy of the of the of the submission and comparing with heel hook, straight foot locks, and even my Toehold. I, I I did a uh, a DVD on a, on the BJJ fanatics about footlocks, and it shows a lot how I got into the the depth of it. 
Because if you stop to see every single footlock, the, the, the most deadly footlock that exists is the heel hook, as we know. And then there is a, something about it. Because a lot of people focus a lot only on the, on the heel. About the heel is about three concepts. It's like the leg has to be bent, the heel has to go one direction, and the toes the other direction, inverted. You know, those three concepts, if you apply, it doesn't matter how you do it, you're going to get a very strong footlock, including straight footlocks. If you turn in a certain way, has the same feel. So basically, a steam lock, a heel hook, in a in a in a, a toe hole is exactly the same thing because exactly the same thing is happening to my opponent. And when you understand what, if you take the, the the attacker out of it, when you see the person being attacked, you see exactly what's happened to the person. If you see is the heel go one way, toes the other way, and the leg is bent. So if this happens, you can create a very good uh, footlock. It doesn't matter how you do it. Yeah, it's uh. It does come on quick. Huh? I've seen a, I've seen a couple of feet blow up from that thing in the, in the training room. People don't people don't see it coming. Now it's incredible, and people just improve, improve, improve. Edwin is amazing. It Gabriel Arch is amazing. It you know, like you know, Kishin almost stopped the Meow Brothers with it. And, oh yeah, uh, I, I remember that. That was yeah, nasty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Who who started calling it yeah. the Estima Lock? When when did people start calling it that? I think uh, you know me and Victor we came with the idea. You know, we, we said, like, let's call it a steam lock, why not? You know, now you immortalize our name. You know, when you came, when you, when you, when you start Jiu-Jitsu Go, you, you know the Kimura is named out of the Kimura. And then the Ezekiel is named out of the Ezekiel. And if the steam lock is named name out of the steamer, this is like something unique, you know. This is nowadays you have a submission that's so catchy. And out of our name is very, make my proud, my, my dad very proud. So the other day, uh, Friday, we had uh, Fionn Davis on. Uh, she, did you know that you autographed her white belt when she was a white belt? Man, I, I, I didn't know actually I did it uh, on her. I do this a lot because I've always liked to kind of reach to, to my fans and, and, and motivate them. And um, that shows that I'm getting old, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, but you're also doing a good job of motivating them. I mean, <laughs> She's, oh, not- she's amazing. Uh, she's one of the best girls that ever uh, competed here in Europe. And uh, he's doing, uh, you know, like she lives in, in Ireland, I think, but she's from Wales. So she's British and is making Britain very proud. If the man, She's incredible. Well, it wasn't even really her. She said a friend of hers was going to your seminar, so she gave the person their her belt, and they brought the belt to the seminar, and you signed it, and they brought it back to her. <laughs> really? Wow. She goes, she, he probably doesn't remember that. I'm like, I don't think he would. I don't think, I don't think he'd know. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, that's cool, bro. So we, we have this clip. If Kyle wants to uh, cue up the, the clip of uh, Fiona, I think she had a couple questions for you here. Go ahead and play it, Kyle. Yeah, we need a question from you for Braulio. Uh, okay, I got one question. Uh, I might have two. You can have two. One is, what's his favorite Noco flavor? Because he is also sponsored by Noco, which is a sports drink, <laughs> and I didn't realize until you're like in this WhatsApp group, and I just see him popping up, and he's like, "My home workout." And he's like, "Who's the Noco?" And I was like, "Oh, Braulio <laughs> sponsored by them too." Um. So what is his favorite flavor? Because I don't know what else to ask. Um, does he have any advice for a new 
new-ish, not really new. Oh my God, we're two years into Black Belt. That's depressing because I've missed you, you know. Um, does he have any uh, advice for a newer school Black Belt? Some might call it Nutella Black Belt. Um, you know, not the, what's the cool one called? Like the Hace Rays? Yeah, Roots. Roots. Yeah. Roots? Yeah, yeah. I'm not Roots. But um, <laughs> how, what does he? what's his advice for a Nutella Black Belt? Um, who's like kind that. of new and like wants to be cool and wants to wants to be cool and wants to be better what, any advice like that, that might be my, <laughs> my favorite question anyway what is his advice for a Nutella black belt who wants to be cool probably was the right guy to ask yeah. I want to be probably roots, was pretty cool but I'm just not alright so the first one is what is what is your favorite uh, NoCo flavor I actually I'm bringing the whole thing here uh, I, I love this one this is the, actually the newest uh, summer edition, Limon. Limon? It's very cool. Did you yeah. and Fion also, coordinate this? Did you guys set this up? <laughs> it's the first time we've seen I a branding it. effort on here. My, my son, he loves it. And he just drinks the one that's on the, without caffeine, which is the, the Apple one. You're already drunk, didn't you? He's here, he's on the background. <laughs> and, uh, but he don't, I don't let him drink the caffeine, but he tried to kick my the caffeine and say, keep it out. Ooh. Otherwise, you get too hype on the <laughs> But yes, this is my favorite. Uh, the second was, if I didn't get it right, she said, like, like uh, what's uh, the advice for Nutella? Newbie? Or? She was saying that she thinks that she's a, a Nutella black belt, and how can she be more cool was the question. So I, I, don't, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of ways you can go there. How cool is that? You're kidding me. I mean, I, I think, man, look, what a... What I believe is this. In anything you do, it doesn't matter what you do. You, you, you've got to understand yourself with it. You know? uh, I don't think that is a... If you do your job well, it, you know what I mean? Like, I, I try sometimes, like, you know what I mean? Like, I like to do interviews. I like to talk, and I like to motivate people. And I've always been very hard on me, on on my diction, my, my accent, you know? But... That's me, and and and, and I, I, if I try to be something just to kind of get attention, you're gonna be doing it for the wrong reasons. And uh, in a, if you do your job well, you're gonna you're gonna be uh, respected. It doesn't matter if you, you you become cool anyway. It doesn't matter what you do. You know, if you do something well, you're gonna become cool. And then, man, she's cool as hell. Look, when she man, she when she shakes hands, touch man, man she's a beast. You know, what she did, like, in the fight against Mia Mesquita was pretty incredible. But, um, you know, my advice is is this. Be yourself. It's very cliche, but one thing is that's not cliche. Try to try to figure it out yourself within. Don't try to cop others. Don't try to do... Uh, don't try to cop someone for the sake of copying. Try to understand why the person does something. And when you understand the why, make it yourself the, the way that you can understand and do your way. Look, it's him a lot. It's him a lot. It's it's understandable. It, it, it's a, it's a same concept of a heel hook and the same concept of a toe hole. You know, and, and when you understand that, you can make many different techniques according to it. You know, it's just understand yourself within, accept it, and play around. And that's it. Great answer for kind of a tough question, you know. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, I love it. I love that was it. One of the less straightforward questions that we've had. We've yeah, had. It was definitely. <laughs> So um, tomorrow's guest is going to be Levi Jones-Leary, an upcoming Australian grappler. 
And uh, it is your turn now, Brian, to extend him a question. So it could be anything. It could be jiu-jitsu related. It could be what he's up to now. What is, what is he watching on Netflix? doesn't matter. But anything come to mind? The, com- the first thing that comes down to my mind right now is like how he's keeping the call of his hair on the quarantine. Say, say that one more time for me, bro. Okay. How, how, he, how he's keeping his hair color in the quarantine? <laughs> yeah. Because he, he wears a white one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wonder how he looks like in the black hair. <laughs> All right. You want to know no, what he I, looks like? No, but that's, that's the fun one, like the Noka one. Where okay. I, the question um, that I'd like to ask is that uh, who he got inspired, uh, you know, because he – what is one of the stars that came up out of uh, uh, Australia, you know, and Australia is pretty new in, in, in jiu-jitsu. You know, did he inspire and uh, in what who inspires him to to drive him to, to be such a big star and how he's coping with it, how is the responsibility that he's taking out of that. The, the, the reason that I'm asking is because uh, I'm sure that he is the first generation, him and Greg Jones that's doing and they did well, but it, 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 he came like with the new generation, the new mom, you know. And um, most times, when you come out from a far away from the center of the of of, of the jujitsu, you know, you, you usually you grow up listening and hearing that is is impossible to to do it because it was so far away. That's how I grew up listening to. And I would like to know how is the how does it feel that become one of the you know representative of this uh, so well the country so far away from the mecca of jiu-jitsu and who he inspires by i mean his uh situation was probably a little bit similar to yours which is a little strange considering that you're a brazilian i mean you moved as a brown belt you moved to the uk which was probably a little bit similar to training in australia nowadays right <laughs> uh-huh slightly <laughs> yeah great uh, question boy i love it love it so we have uh just a few minutes left uh you want to give a little message to the fans out there, to everybody watching? Yes, man. I'll, I'll just like to say, thank, first of all, uh, thank you, uh, Chase. Thank you, Mike, for uh, for the interview. It's always great to talk to you guys. Uh, thank you, everyone, for the flow grappling. Uh, you know, just remember, you know, we're going through these tough times. I know most of us, all of us, are, are very itchy to get back into the mats, you know, but uh, let's just be patient, you know, like uh, – Things without rushing, but uh, using this moment now to kind of, uh, you know, f- reflect on ourselves and, and uh, you know, try to, you know, we're already on the other side of the curve, I guess, that we can see already the light at the end of the tunnel. Soon we're all going to be in the mats, but, uh, you know, be safe and, uh, you know, try to learn something uh, to get something different. And even so, we are outside. Try to study. Try to discover. You know, visualization is very important. is the biggest is the biggest uh, tool that I use to for, for my my game plans uh, and strategies and develop techniques is visualization. You know, so it's the time now that we have a lot on the head uh, to to visualize, study, practice. Because only if you accept that we cannot learn, that you won't learn. But if you think that is something to learn, if you search, you will find. Can you explain, we still have six minutes left. Can you explain a little bit uh, how you practice your visualization? Like uh, what what process you use? Man, like visualization for me, uh, it, it it was like, um, uh, I don't know, it's part of my training, maybe more than 50%. You know, uh, um, uh, how do I visualize? You know, um, what, that's how I get into concepts. 
um, for example, I used to, I, I when, when I want to learn some technique that um, is happening to the opponent, right? I, I, let's say, example that we spoke about this team a lot, with heel hook and, and a toe hole, right? Uh, I, I don't like, I like to take the guy who is, uh, whatever is doing the technique, the submission, out of the picture. You know, it's like a, he became invisible. And I keep looking only to what's happened to the person who is get is being submitted. If you see what's happened to him is what really matters. It doesn't matter how you do it, is whatever happened to him. So you can replicate that same scenario, use a different part of your body, you know, you'll be able to get into the concept of the thing. So this is kind of how you I keep tripping about, you know, like how can I uh that like like I did for example with Shandy on the final of the 2009 absolute, right? This was through visualization. I, I, I developed the technique with the visualization. It was me thinking about uh man because the guy defends the, 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 the triangle. So I get the Kimura because when you tra- have a training partners, you, you, people get to know what you do. You tap the first one, second time, and afterwards you want to get tapped again. So then he starts defending better because he's expecting. But then when he defended one, he's giving the Kimura. Then through Probably, yeah. But start figuring out the ways, all visualization. This is very important. Uh, even scientific proved that if you visualize and you're drilling, is equivalent to if you are drilling yourself as well. So that's kind of, I don't know, maybe it can be crazy. I don't know if I could expect uh, uh, pass well what, what is in my mind, but in a crazy way, this is kind of a, a how I develop techniques. No, that, that makes a lot of sense, and and it. Uh, I mean, you were a very innovative competitor. There's a lot of stuff that you, that you brought to the game that it makes sense that you would be thinking creatively like that. We have a uh, a, a flow wrestling uh, documentary you should check out. It's about uh, Ben Askren, the guy he went on to fight in the UFC and stuff, and he was a very innovative wrestler. And he talks about when he was growing up, he would have two guys wrestling in his head, and he would be watching like a fake wrestling match in his head with like stick figures and like come up with moves through that. It's, it's a pretty interesting process. It sounds a little bit like yeah. what you're talking about. We have plenty of time now to try to explore. It's going to be a very good tool to improve the jiu-jitsu. All right. Uh, one last closing question before we get out of here. Who's a better announcer? Who's a better commentator? You or Ricardo? And then, <laughs> and then in the commentator <laughs> ranking. Well, for sure, I have much more hair than him. I can tell you that. <laughs> All right, fair, fair Undeniable. Enough. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that comes in big in, in the commentator rankings. <laughs> Who has more hair is, is important. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so well, much for calling in, man. Nice. That was hair, forehead, uh, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Ricardo. Or th- thanks, Braulio. I called you Ricardo. <laughs> thanks, Braulio. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much for calling in. Stay safe out there. We'll talk to you thanks, again soon sometime. See you next time.